Christ Uncensored. Man, I am so thankful that here at this church we understand that there are so many ways to worship God, and one of the most powerful ways is prayer. Uh, I think I think we might have created something today too. I don't know. Like I feel like this might be something we have to revisit. It felt so powerful. Thank you to the Marquezes for praying, um, and we had so many prayer requests. So this was an awesome time, men, fellas. This. This week, this week is our Forged Men's Conference. So if you are interested, shoot, even if you're not interested, talk to yourself because I'm telling you, you should be. It's going to be fire. Uh, make sure you see either Pastor Marquez or John Miranda. Let them know you're interested. Get their number down. And I'm sitting. This is, this is how you um, teach. Uh, you get a chair. Because if I'm walking, guys, that was good. Uh, I came to teach today. We are in the fourth habit. I know based off today's service, uh, you would think the habit is prayer, but no, we actually covered it. We have unpacked um, prayer. We've unpacked Bible study. And last week, can we give it up for Mailing Miranda? Don't call it a comeback. She taught worship daily. So, so powerful. Um, and of course, um, our prayers, uh, not our prayers, our pastors send their love. Our lead pastors, Pastor Roe and Lee, uh, they miss you very much. And we miss them. Can we say so they can hear us on the live stream? We miss you, Pastor Roe, Pastor Lee. Nice. Uh, are you guys ready? I'm ready. I'm going to be honest. I'm nervous. I'm like, Lord. Uh, anyway. Uh, we're going to open up to our text for this series. We've been unpacking, well, not unpacking, but this text has been guiding our series, Habits of Grace. So Titus chapter 2, verse 11 uh, says, from 11 through, uh, verses 11, th 11 through 12 says, For God has revealed his grace for the salvation of all people. And that grace instructs us to give up ungodly living and worldly passions and to live life self-controlled, upright, and godly living in this world. And, and our pastor, Pastor Roe, um, taught us, and, and I just thought this was so mind-blowing, such a paradigm shift, that it's the same grace that saves us that also trains and sanctifies us. And when we put these habits, it's not habits of righteousness, it's not habits of, it's habits of grace because it's grace in us that works us through. And these habits all connect us to the grace of God. Are you guys ready for the last habit of this series? Mm, I don't know. I need more readiness. You guys ready? Last habit. We are closing this series out. Um, to get there, I have to take you to Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. It says, it was about that time that the mother of the Zebedee brothers came with her two sons and knelt before Jesus with a request. What do you want? Jesus asked. She said, give your word that these two sons of mine will be awarded the highest places of honor in your kingdom. One at your right hand, one at your left hand. Jesus responded, you have no idea what you're asking. He said to James, and he said to James and John, are you capable of drinking the cup that I'm about to drink? They said, sure, why not? 
Jesus said, come to think of it, you are going to drink my cup. But as to rewarding places of honor, that's not my business. My father is taking care of that. And that conversation here, I left in so that we can have the context, but these are the verses that I really want to highlight today. When the 10 others, this is the disciples, heard about this, they lost their tempers, thoroughly disgusted with the two brothers. So Jesus got them together to settle things down, and he said, You've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their heads. It is not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great among you must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, I, I just thank you for this special Sunday. I, and I ask that you move in this moment, that we may be a people who embody um, this message, Lord, and that we may take this and transform, and that above all, Lord, that, that you may go forth and talk to your people. In your name, amen. You know, I, I look at this conversation, and I don't know, like, I'm not ashamed to admit it, like, I want to be great. Anybody, anybody, am I alone here? Like, anybody, like, when you do something, you want to be great at it. Like, when I go bowling, for whatever reason, when I'm bowling, I want to be the best at bowling. And, and I think it is a human desire to be great at anything that we're doing, anything that we are passionate about. Now, these disciples were following Jesus. We got followers of Jesus here. And they, they in their minds, naturally, I think, wanted to be great at it. Uh, and this isn't the only time that this conversation takes place. Uh, the disciples start to quarrel at the Last Supper of all places. They get into a fight over who is the greatest among them. And Jesus has the same exact response. He doesn't chastise them for wanting to be great or even desiring to be great. But it seems like in both interactions, what they are focused on in their achievement of greatness is status. The, the Zebedee brothers want Status. They ask to be, well, they don't even ask. Their mom asks for them, which, like, anybody got a meddling mother? I, uh, <laughs> their mom is like, Jesus, Jesus, you need to, you know, and I, and, and their, their mind is focused on, hey, if we are elevated, we will be great. And Jesus says, hey, if you want to be great, that's great. But you're focused on the wrong thing. See, in the kingdom, greatness looks different. And uh, I've prepared a spoken word um, on what I think it feels like, because I don't think this is just a biblical issue. I think this is a modern-day issue for all of us, that we strive and desire to grow in the faith, and sometimes we can feel stagnant. And maybe if you're like me, you've been focused on the wrong measurement of greatness. So, if you'll just open your ears as I share. I've been stuck in a rut. Yeah, I've been stuck in a rut 
See, I've been trying to achieve greatness, but greatness just doesn't feel too great when putting these practices to practice becomes practically impractical. You know, maybe I need more motivation, or maybe I just need another sermon, or a midweek service. Like, I feel like I need to be fed more. I mean, I have been eating, but I still feel empty. I mean, I've been praying, but I just don't see the growth. See, I'm not great yet. See, I've been reading my Bible, but I just don't think that it shows. And I worship every day, yet somehow I still feel low. I've just been stuck in a rut. Doing all this work just doesn't seem to be enough. It's like no matter how much I get for myself, I still come up with the same results. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe that's the problem right there. See, I think I've been holding on to this wealth. And I've been holding on to this grace. And I think at some point, I forgot that you don't grow by getting. You grow when you give. Because reaching out to people will always cause you to stretch. Pouring into people and having people pull on you really pulls something out of you, doesn't it? I've been stuck in a rut. But I think that's because I forgot that it's just, it's not just about praying. It's who you pray for. It's not just about worshiping. It's who you're worshiping with. Do you know that the Bible was designed and meant to be read in community with others? Not just in our prayer closet, alone and isolated. I've been stuck in a rut. See, I've been so caught up trying to achieve greatness that I forgot Jesus' kingdom is upside down. It's unconventional. The power structure of his kingdom is the polar opposite of our society. I've been caught up trying to climb the ladder. I forgot in Jesus' kingdom, greatness is about stepping down. Yeah, I've been stuck in a rut. But I think it's because I've been holding on to so much that there ain't been nowhere for me to go. Nowhere for me to grow. Because the only way to grow is to pass along this grace. You know, I used to struggle with depression. And then Christ came and got me out of that. So maybe if you struggle with depression, I can come and get you to Christ so he can get you out of that. You know that I used to struggle with self-loathing, but Christ came and got me out of that. And so maybe there's a world of people struggling with self-loathing and I can get them to Christ so he can get them out of that. And what do I know? Maybe not much. I don't know so much, but I do know that I once was a lost sheep and now I'm found. I once was like Peter who denied Jesus and I denied Jesus. But now I think he's asking me to take care of his sheep. Just like he asked Peter after Peter denied Jesus. I think he wants me to be a shepherd. I think he wants me to bring his loss home. And who better to show them the way than someone who had to be shown. Yeah, I'm ready for greatness. But to achieve that, I think I have to begin letting go of my misconceptions and stop thinking that this thing was ever about me in the first place. See, Jesus died for the whole world, but I've been thinking, that I've been acting like he only died for me. Meanwhile, there's a sea of people out there that he's been asking me to reach, to love and care for and support. 
to bring back home. See, I've been stuck in a rut. I've stopped seeing growth. But Jesus was the greatest and most growth-filled individual being to walk this earth. And he literally gave his life up so that people can experience the grace of God. Jesus was the epitome of greatness. But what he did was give it all up in the name of serving people. Wonder what will happen to me if I spend my life walking in his footsteps. My title to today's talk is Serving People. The final habit in these habits of grace is to serve people. See, in this moment, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says, hey, in my kingdom, greatness is not about how high you climb. It is how, about how low you are willing to get down in the name of others. And then what he says is, just like the Son of Man has done, who, if you're unfamiliar with um, the Bible, the Son of Man is Jesus' title. It's one of his titles. He was the Son of Man. So he's referring to himself. And he says, hey, just like me, I've come here to establish not you guys serving me, but, but my entire time here, I have served you. And he's calling them to an example. Matthew 20, 26 through 28, he says, whoever wants to become great, whoever wants to be great, become a servant he doesn't condemn their desire for greatness he just corrects their focus on what being great is it is not about status and power which which is what they were desiring it is actually the opposite of it it is foregoing all that you are you feel that you are entitled to for the sake of putting others ahead of you he says whoever wants to be first must become your slave. And this is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not be served. And then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. You know, I, I said before that this isn't the only time that this occurs. The, I love that the disciples took a while to get these lessons because it helps me out. You know, I get to see it repeated. In Luke 22, the same issue happens at the Last Supper. They're arguing and Jesus has the same exact response and both times it is not to condemn their desire but is to correct their focus and what he ultimately brings them to is his example see in Jesus's kingdom it's not about how high you climb it is about how low you are willing to get down and he and he connects that to how low he has been willing to get down I mean he was literally seated in heaven and, and when I want to uh, uh, put before you guys today is this, that serving people, the first thing that I want you to know that is it is the legacy that Jesus has left for all of us. And this is what the legacy of greatness is. See, in Philippians 2, Paul, years after Jesus, talking to followers of Jesus, says this to them uh, in Philippians 2, verse 1 through 8. If you have gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. 
Don't push your way to the top. Don't sweet talk. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. And then what does he do? Think of yourselves the way Christ thought of himself. After a list of serving others, putting others before you, he connects to the legacy that Jesus left. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. No, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, crucifixion. Uh, the first thing that I want you to know about serving people, church, is that serving people continues Jesus' legacy. See, every, every, the truth is every single habit that we've covered in this series is one that Jesus practiced and demonstrated. Jesus lived a life of, of, of knowing the word. I mean, he was the word. Jesus lived a life of prayer. Jesus completely worshiped daily. And this habit is no different. Jesus's entire life was dedicated for to others. The whole purpose, the whole reason he was even God incarnate. It says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And in being equal status to God, he came and, and, and in physical form, not just because he wanted to see what fish tastes like. I wanted to say Netflix, but they didn't have think if he did, he would have came at, at this time, right? But solely for the purpose, anything that talks, any scripture that talks about Jesus coming to this earth, it's always for the purpose of setting us free. The entire, the entire reason he was here was for us. And during his time here, which is crazy, right? Like you would think like, all right, I'm gonna just come do my thing and then peace out. But no, then while he was here, he lived a life helping and taking care of others, which he didn't have to do. And, and so much so that even the things that he were on his agenda, there are so many scriptures in the gospel that are such a deviation from what he actually had to do. There's so many like impromptu healings. Like Jesus is on the way to resurrect a dead girl. And in the midst of that, someone grabs his, his cloak and healing goes out from him. Jesus is traveling and he sees a mother mourning her son. And Jesus can't help himself. And his compassion is so great for her that he resurrects her son. Jesus lived a life devoted and dedicated to people. There's one where he literally like... He, a woman is begging him. She's like, heal, heal my daughter, heal my daughter. And he says, ah, woman, I, I've come for Israel. Like, I'm here right now for the lost sheep of Israel. And she says, but even the, the dogs in a family still eat. And he is so moved by her, her compassion, something that is so out of his purpose. It's not according to the agenda of Jesus. He expresses it in the gospel. 
He can't help but heal her, her daughter. He can't help but move because Jesus was so passionate and so dedicated to loving and serving people. It was the very reason for his existence. And it's his legacy that he leaves us when he, when he ascends, when he resurrects. He says, I, 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 you will do greater things to me. This is what he says to his, than me. He says this to his disciples. He, he calls them to do the very thing that he did here on earth. Paul, when talking to, to other followers of Jesus now, we're talking about generations and we're talking about a legacy as this Jesus movement is growing. He says, hey, if you've gotten anything out of following Jesus, if you've gotten anything, here's what I want you to do. I want you to serve people. I want you, you to put people before yourself. I want you to make, make the time to, to move from the front of the line to the back so that you can help those in need. And what's so interesting about serving is it actually grows us. Like, I could get on like a whole preaching, spiritual thing, but just on a practical, scientific level, the studies are out there. You can literally Google serving health benefits, volunteering health benefits, Helping charity, health benefits. And we're talking about longer lifespans where people report living happier lives. It even has an effect on resilience. Like they say that people in crises situations, those who help others when there is a crisis tend to adapt and deal with the crisis better. So even on a practical level, it is built in our DNA to help people and to serve people and it grows us and matures us. Let me tell you, there is nothing like having to voluntarily eat humble pie every day in the name of helping someone else that will cause you to deal with yourself and your character and some of the things that you think you're struggling with. Uh, you will, it will cause you to confront those things. And in, in serving people, it will challenge you every time. Every time you choose to serve someone, it's gonna cost you something. And every time you say no to yourself, there's a part of your strength that grows. And you find that as you are serving people, all of a sudden you're more spiritual, whatever we call that. Let me tell you, let me tell you, if you're going to serve people, you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you read your Bible. So like, I need to see what the Bible has to say about this because Lord, it's going to pull you into worship. There is something about serving people that will pull you to the end of yourself until you are on your knees before Jesus. And it's gonna pull you into prayer. And so it, it has this secondary effect, but it's not just beneficial to us. And it's not just following his example. There's something more. Um, but to get there, I have to read another scripture. Matthew 25 verses 34 through 40 says, this is Jesus giving a parable to, to his disciples. Um, he says, then the king will say to those on his right, enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. And then those sheep are gonna say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? 
thirsty and give you a drink? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? And then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. And this is Jesus giving a parable. It's so weird because this is Jesus giving a parable that's related to eschatology. And eschatology is like, it has to do with the end times. What's the world going to look back like when Jesus comes back, right? But this is one of the stories. He says that when he, the king comes, this is Jesus in this, in this uh, story, he's, he's going to separate sheep and, and look at people. And there will be a people that he looks at that are blessed, not because they were so righteous and holy and, and whatever our Christian moral list um, has become. It's about how they tended to people. That's where the place of honor comes from. And it's as if Jesus is highlighting just how passionate he is about serving. It's like he cares so much for people that when we care for people, it's as if we're doing it for him. Do we have any parents in the house? Parents online? Isn't that true though? Like when someone takes care of your kids, we'll, we'll start with the, the common one. When someone offends your kids, they might as well have offended you, if not worse. But then when someone is there for your child, it's like they were there for you, if not more. And I think that's what it is for God. He, he, is the, he loves us. He is our heavenly father and he loves all of us as his children. And when we provide and take care of others, it's as if we're doing it for him. I think of Pastor Lee, actually, every time I think of this, when I see this verse. Um, if you know Lee, Lee loves her kids so much. Like I have offered to treat her as we're going out to eat. And I'll say like, I'm gonna cover your kids too. And she's like, why for real? Like she's good, like, yeah, I got you. I'm gonna pay for you. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. And then I go, your kids too. She's like, really? Because she's so about her kids. I know Lee's watching online, like, that's right, that's right. I've also seen Lee, uh, where I've said, hey, actually, I, you know, I, I, want to, I want to treat you, but I only have enough for you. And she's been like, okay, can you just treat my kids instead? And I won't eat. Because that's how much a mother's love is for their child. And I, I think that is unequivocally, like that is the parallel of God's love for us. Um, and so when we provide for others, when we are there for others, it's as if we are doing it for God himself. And what's so amazing about that is like, you know, God doesn't need anything. Like there is nothing I could give God. Like I try every Christmas and like happy, there's nothing that Jesus, there's nothing that Jesus needs. And so it sucks because how can I ever repay him? How can I ever thank God for what he's done for me? Like Jesus has transformed my life. Who I am in, in, in light of knowing God is a completely different person. And I know there's some of us here that know what our lives were like before God and know what God has done for us. And it sucks sometimes for me because I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to give that back because you don't need anything. Like, how could I ever, 
How could I ever give this back? And you know, he may not need anything, but he is passionate about something. He is passionate about people. And when I hear the fact that I can, the way that I provide for people, it's as if I'm filling a need for God. Like who would not, if Jesus was hungry, who would not rush to feed him? Who would not rush to take care of him? And I have that opportunity in people. And what I want to let you guys know is that serving people expresses our gratitude to Jesus. Because when we serve people, it's as if we are serving him directly. It's as if we are helping him directly. It's as if we are tending to him directly. And that's comfort comforting because people, people could be difficult. People could be difficult. You know that saying, beggars can't be choosers? It's not always true. I've seen them. They'd be choosy. You know, I've, I've, out of the kindness, you know, I feel self-righteous. I'm like, I'm going to help someone today. What would you like? And they're just rude and nasty. And I'm like, oh, no, forget you. You don't deserve it. And I'm ready to dismiss, but it just says all people, all the overlooked. And so maybe there, there are those people that you're like, mm-mm, that person's still Jesus. It says anytime we've done it to the overlooked. Other scriptures say to the least of these. We're helping not just people, but we're expressing our gratitude for Jesus. Because you know who Jesus died for? Everybody. So if he didn't discriminate, why would we? Last, last thing I want to tell you is it's not just our greatest gift to God, um, our way of expressing gratitude. It's not just following the legacy of Jesus. Um, it's also our greatest weapon. <laughs> Serving people is your greatest, one of your greatest weapons. Check this out. Ch uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 14 through 21. This is Paul talking again. He says, bless your enemies. No, Paul. <laughs> I like this translation. It says, bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Damn. Well, there goes that. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they are down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. This is a verse to send to the, your friends that are stuck up. <laughs> Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, go get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. And don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. You know how we overcome this world, church? It's not by getting up on our soapboxes and raising a... F it's actually by stepping down and serving others. Paul in this verse says to bless our enemies. He says overcome evil by doing good. That's right, guys. According to the Bible, your good deeds can overcome Satan and Karen. When we serve people, 
Like, what would it look like if we settled beefs like this? Like, we heard people giving bonchinche about us, gossiping about us, talking trash about us. And we said, yo, you got a problem with me? You got a problem with me? All right, let's settle this. Let's settle this right here. How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I make you feel blessed today? What's going on? What if we settled our beefs like this, church? Here's what would happen. We would overcome evil. Scriptures are consistent that our war, our battle is not with flesh and blood. It is spiritual. And sometimes we, prayer is great, spiritual warfare. Yes, but sometimes we, we're only doing the one thing. But right here we see that we can overcome evil without having to say one prayer. But just tending to someone's needs, our enemy. And what I love about that is it's so tied in to the verse we just read. When I was hungry, when I was thirsty. And so it's not just the overlooked people, church. It's the people who've overlooked you too. It's the people who've hurt you too. Those are the people that we have the opportunity to serve. And when we do that, we overcome evil. Um, and what's, what's good about this part is I, I feel like so often we can fall into the trap of allowing people's attitudes and behaviors to dictate ours. But through serving people, we don't have to be that. We don't have to be a people that your attitude, oh, you're my enemy now, or people who even disagree with us politically or our, our Christian view. We have a Christian view. And so there are people who must be enemies to Christianity because they're bashing us. How do we overcome evil? Oh, we do good. We bless our enemies. We feed, we go buy them lunch. And we can live a life where people don't control our mood and our behavior. But through serving people, we can actually change theirs. I want to I share a story with you quickly. You know, the other day I was at work and I'm happy that I get to share a good example of myself. Um, you know, a patient came in and they were like, they were just nasty right out the gate, just nasty. And I didn't let it get to me. I had a good response. And immediately, because I focused on serving them, which it was actually before this verse, before preparing the sermon, immediately the atmosphere changed and we're laughing and we're talking and we're just having a great time. And it would have been a negative experience, but I was able to switch it. And then as I was walking around the office, I hear uh, one of my coworkers calls me over and they say, hey, we need to teach you how to, how to professionally tell someone to, and they said the word, I'm gonna censor here, how to professionally tell someone to F off. And I sat with that. Like, for like five solid minutes, I was like, yeah, I, I should have done this to this chick. I should have told her this. I, professionally, I know how to do it. Like, I could have said this, this, and that. Like, hey, this is not how you talk to me. Da, 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 da. For five full minutes, I caught myself entertaining this. And then I was offended at something I wasn't initially even offended at. And I had to catch myself in this moment. I, and I just said, like, wait a minute, like, then to do that, I would have to be a person that I don't want to be. That wouldn't have been following the legacy of Jesus. And church, like that's what we have to decide that, that this is what we're called to do. And I, I share that story because as I prepare this sermon, I could 
feel, and maybe it was even my own, right? Like there's this inner hesitancy of like, okay, so I'm supposed to be a doormat? Just let people walk over me? Like, no, I think that's a misconception that we have too. That not fighting fire with fire means becoming a doormat. And I started with this, we are following the legacy of Jesus. And as loving and as much of a, a server to people Jesus was, he was not a doormat. And Jesus somehow was able to maintain healthy boundaries, not be disrespected, but never have to step into people's level and be brought out and get a rise or become a pushover. Um, he was able to do this. And so there is a way to not tolerate evil, but overcome it through doing good rather than stepping out of line and becoming people we were never called to be in the first place. You know, it can feel like, okay, so I'm supposed to be a pushover. But can I tell you that actually, when we allow people to get us out of character, we're being a pushover. See, evil is getting the best of us. Evil is pushing us over. I, I have yet to meet someone who's like, yeah, I just love telling people off and cursing them out. Like, I love when I get that way. I love when I'm in a fight with my spouse and I'm just like, oh, you're just like your father. Like, no one's ever, at least to me, has ever said like, yeah, I love when I get that way. More, common, more often than not, we don't want to get that way. And the more we allow people to do that to us, the more we are over being overcome and actually being pushed over. And that's the misconception we have to let go. And so serving people is our greatest weapon. I, I want to give you this. I don't know if I gave it to you as a point. Serving people helps us overcome. Overcome. Last thing I want to tell you, and then I am out of here. Um, Galatians 6, 1 through 3 says, Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day is out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens. And so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. The last thing I want to tell you guys today is that serving people, I love the way he says it, share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. Serving people fulfills Christ's law. You know, we... Uh, I think we've heard it often. Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest law? And he says, to love God with all your heart. And the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we step into serving, guys, we are fulfilling that law, that very law. It, it's, I think we, we're Christian, Gentile Christians, and we're like, start trying to bring the 10 commandments in. Like, did I do this? Oh, what's, what's a sin? What's... Christ's law is to love God with all your heart and to love people just the same. And when we step into an area of service, man, I tell you, there is nothing like serving people that will mature you as a believer. We have dream team members in this building who have stepped into volunteer and put on service. We have a team who came in skeleton crew and showed up. You guys give them a hand. And, and the truth is, there's so many ways to serve. But in this context, I get to see people come in. And I've seen Dream Team members come and serve and grow exponentially. 
because there is something about serving that will always connect you to growth. And again, here's, here's the last one that I want to close with. We fulfill the law of Christ. You want to worry about a command, worry about fulfilling God's law, which is to love him with all your heart and to love people, love people. Anybody ready to let love be their logo today? Step into service. Can we stand on our feet? just want to pray for us. Lord, I, I thank you for this time and I, I thank you for this series. I just ask that in this moment, God, that you will move mightily for us, God. That we will be people about your people, about your children, and that we will serve with the same heart that you serve this world, God. In your name, amen. I want to do one more thing. Um, anybody here, you, maybe you're new, it's the first time here, you, you've never even heard of this Jesus guy we've been talking about. And I just want to bring you back to the first, com, uh, first point that I talked about, which is Jesus is legacy. But Jesus came to radically transform this world and set us free. He says to the Son of Man came to set free those in bondage. And this room is filled with many people who were once in bondage and have given their life um, to Jesus because we've understood that through him, he provides true freedom. And so I just want to give you the opportunity, if, if while you were listening, anything in your heart moved and, and you want to place your faith in him, we never want uh, anyone to miss out on the opportunity um, to enter into a loving relationship with God. And so if you're here in this room or if you're right there online, you could put a little hand raise emoji and we're going to pray with you. But if you're here in this room, everybody's going to close their eyes. If you could just lift a hand up so I know for praying, who we're praying for, if you would like to make that decision today. And then we're going to pray with you. So if you could just repeat after me, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for setting me free. 